Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Tonight, or this evening, I will be ministering on the value of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Let me say this as an opening statement. One of the things that as born-again believers must and I say must experience in our walk of faith is for the written word of God to come alive in us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the letter of the word on the page must become spirit and life to us and in us. The Word must become part of us. And that, of course, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So we need to be taught how how to recognize, how to honor, and obey the Spirit within us, for He was sent for this purpose, to lead and to guide us into all truth. Father God has given us the written word. We are commonly referred to as the Holy Bible in order to unveil and to reveal the living word, which of course is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? The one who applies the written word of God to our situation and breathes life into it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. No one, and I say no one, can handle the Word of God without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If they do, they will minister death rather than life. Listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. Paul writes to them and he says, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The knowledge of the Word must be equal to the knowledge of the Spirit within us. We must know the Word, but... We must also know the Spirit who wrote the Word of God. You see, you take the Bible and you you read it, and without 
without the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a closed book. I tried that once before I was born again, and I put it aside because it was a closed book to me. And so it is with everyone who has not the Spirit. And that is why it's important that the knowledge of the Word we have must be equal also to the knowledge of the Spirit that we have within. Some, of course, know the Word, but they don't know the Spirit. They can quote scriptures with chapter and with verse pretending to be spiritual, but they are void of the Spirit. Now, such folks are very dangerous. They can kill you spiritually speaking. They can minister death instead of life. You come away from the presence feeling condemned, inadequate, feeling fearful, unworthy, and many times feeling unspiritual. That's what the letter does without the help and the ministry of the Spirit. But the Word of God ministered to us by the Spirit will always, and I say always, will edify you, will always build you up, will always encourage and comfort you. And even when the Word through the Spirit corrects you, it is a correction that is well received because it comes from the Spirit of the Lord. Others boast that they know and they follow the Spirit, but on the other hand, they have no knowledge of the Word of God. These are deceived and they lead others into deception as well. Many have used the Word of God to divide and to hurt people, and that's not God. We need both, of course, the knowledge of the Word and the knowledge of the Spirit. Too much Word, someone said, without the Spirit, we dry up. Too much Spirit without the Word, we blow up. But having both the Word and the Spirit, we grow up. And that is, uh, and that is a fact. And that is what we should aim for. The Holy Spirit, of course, was given to the believer for the purpose of leading and guiding us into all that is truth. Jesus said God's word is truth, but we need the spirit of truth who wrote the word to guide us into all truth. The word and the spirit are always in perfect harmony and agreement with one another. Some in the body of Christ have been led into deception because they have not paid attention, of course, to the written word of God. They would insist, for example, that the Spirit led them to do things which the word of God is not in agreement with. That, of course, is not God. It is their own soulish desires uh, that is speaking to them rather than the Spirit of the Lord. If we violate foundational principles in the Word of God and insisting that we are led by the Spirit, for me that is deception, of course, in the highest form. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit.
Let's look at now what Jesus said concerning the anointing of the Holy Spirit within the born-again believer. First, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, and then 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. Forgive me, it is the Apostle John who wrote this. These are the words that he wrote, not the words of the Lord. John says in 1 John 2.20, speaking about the anointing, he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and you know all things. Then again, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, John says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now that doesn't mean we don't need teachers in the body. Of course we do, because it is the Lord Jesus who gave the fivefold ministry to the body for the purpose of equipping the saints and bringing us into maturity. But here John is speaking about the, the anointing, the personal anointing that you have received from the Holy Spirit when you received the Spirit as a born-again believer. The Greek word for anointing is the word chrisma, from where we get the word Christos, which is the word Christ. Christ is not uh, Jesus' last name. Christ means anointed one. So the word Christ in the Greek language means the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. What John is revealing to us here in the above verses of Scripture is that the anointed one, that is Christ, and his anointing abides and remains within us. As a result of his indwelling presence, now listen carefully, John says we know all things because the anointing within teaches us concerning all things and leads us into all truth. Not just some truth, but all truth. Let me make this statement, which is true. We know far more than we realize. Why do I say that? Our spirit man knows things that our mind does not know yet. The more we recognize, the more we honor the anointing within, the more revelation, knowledge, and wisdom we will receive. Your spirit man knows far more than your intellect or your head or your mind. And that knowledge resides deep within our spirits because the Holy Spirit lives within our spirits, not in our minds and not in our bodies. Notice what Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says. Meditate on this verse. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, 
but a man of understanding will draw it out. I'm going to say that again. Counsel or wisdom in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The Passion Translation says it this way, A man of deep understanding will give good advice, drawing it out from the well within. What a beautiful uh, explanation of this verse. There is a well of knowledge within every spirit-filled believer. Learning how to draw it out is a skill that is developed through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Success and prosperity in our walk with Christ comes from knowing how to draw it out from the well of wisdom that resides within. I'm going to say that again because that's very important. Success in our Christian walk and prosperity in every sphere of life with Christ comes from knowing, from having the skill on how to draw that wisdom, how to draw that knowledge from the well that resides within. Let me read to you another verse of Scripture from the book of Proverbs, chapter 18 and verse 4. Proverbs 18 and verse 4 from the Passion uh, Translation. Words of wisdom are like a fresh flowing brook, like deep waters that spring forth from within bubbling up inside the one with understanding. Isn't that, isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? Words of wisdom. And you know, to succeed in life, more than anything else, we need wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's why Paul prays for the believers that the Lord may fill us with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That wisdom, that understanding resides within every believer, within the Spirit within us. Knowing and learning how to honor the Spirit through fellowship and intimacy with the Spirit and bringing it out of us in order to refresh our mind and to renew our mind is the secret of success and prosperity. Now, I believe that if we take the time enough time to be still and quiet often and listen to our spirit from deep inside of us, I believe we would be much wiser and avoid the many pitfalls the enemy laid out for us to trip up. You know, the enemy lays traps in our path and uh, the ignorant or the uneducated, spiritually uneducated, fall right into them. But if we learn to draw counsel and wisdom and strength from within, we will avoid the many traps the enemy uh, sets in our path in order to trip us up and, and cause uh, offenses, cause destruction uh, and, and, and heartache many times. So we must stop often 
recognize and realize that the well of life dwells within you by the spirit that is within you. And in times either of crisis or in, in any time, whether you have a crisis or whether you have a situation that you are perplexed, turn within, look to him. Number of times, many times throughout my walk, I'm in a situation that I really don't know what to do. As Paul says, many times we are perplexed, we are confused. I would turn to the spirit within and immediately a, a, a verse of scripture would pop up in my mind or I would see a picture or a vision and within that is contained the wisdom of God or the way of escape from that situation. And I've, I've had that experience many times. Sometimes when I pray in other tongues, other times when I am still, I'm not talking to God, I'm just sitting at his feet and listen. Listening is part of worshiping the Lord, is part of giving him that part of us that is saying, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening to you. I'm all ears, Lord. Here I am. And be quiet. Don't talk too much. Don't, don't always uh, be the one who is speaking to the Lord. Stop for a while and listen. Listen. Because the Spirit dwells within your spirit. He is within you. He's not in your emotions. He's not in your mind that runs wild. He's deep down within your spirit. And in order for you to know and recognize his voice or his leading, you have to be still. You have to be quiet. That's why the scripture says, be still and know. And so many times, so many of us are so busy. Our mind is running in, in many directions. The noise within our head. We have not learned the value of solitude, the value of, of quietness and being still before God. We're always doing something. He always will listening to some, someone or something. If it's not the television, it's the radio. If it's not the radio, it's other voices within our mind. And in order to discern the leading and the guidance of the Spirit, you're going to have to shut that down, completely shut it down. And listen, and from deep within, remember that the Spirit does not shout. He does not raise His voice. He is gentle. And if, we, if we're not quiet enough and still enough, we're going to miss what He's communicating to us. And that's something all of us need to learn and develop and grow in. God meant for us to live from within out. He meant for us to draw strength from within, draw wisdom, draw knowledge and understanding, counsel and guidance and direction in making decisions in life, in knowing how to respond rather than react to situations and circumstances. This is very important. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38, the following, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, Jesus here is speaking of something, of an event which is to come after he was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, went to the throne of God, presented his sacrifice to the Father, was well pleased with his sacrifice, was accepted, and then sent the Holy Spirit for all those who would receive Christ as Lord and Savior. So he he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. He said, out of his heart. The heart here is referring to our spirit man. Out of our spirit man will flow not just uh, uh, trickles, but rivers of living water, rivers of wisdom, rivers of life, rivers of deliverance, rivers of knowledge, rivers of understanding. The gifts of the Spirit would flow out of the believer's life. And Paul, writing to the church in Colossae years later, he says to them about this wonderful mystery that was hidden, he says, from generations past. It was hidden from the eyes of the Old Testament folks. Nobody knew this mystery. But this mystery was made known and revealed to us as New Covenant believers. And he tells them what this mystery was and is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, the anointed, and his anointed lives within you through the person of the Holy Spirit. This is the great mystery. And and he talks about the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Praise God forevermore. Christ in us. Wherever we go, he goes with us. He's in you. He lives within you. What we need to do is learn to cooperate with him. Learn to flow with him and as, as, as he leads, as he guides, as he instructs, remember, he doesn't push, he doesn't manipulate, he doesn't force us, he gently guides and leads. And to discern and recognize that, we need to silence the flesh, because the flesh is the barrier. Uh, and that's why um, some time ago Michael suggested that you go through my teachings on how to crucify the flesh, how to put the flesh to death uh, through prayer and fasting. And and all of these spiritual disciplines help us to subdue the flesh in order for our spirit within, uh, by the spirit to rise up within us and give direction to our spirits and illumination to our minds. Christ the anointed one and his anointing living and abiding in every disciple of Christ by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So every believer who is born again by the Spirit of God has the capacity 
and the ability to be personally taught and trained and educated by the anointed one and his anointing within. Isn't that marvelous? <laughs> you have your own personal teacher living within you 24-7. No matter what you face in life, no matter what you go through, he is, the Bible says, he is an ever-present help in time of need. Wow. I, I consider that such a blessing. What words can we use to adequately say thank you to the Lord for this incredible gift, Christ in us, the hope of glory? Amen. Praise God. Let me give you some of my own personal testimony uh, uh, with the Lord. Over a period of 45 years, the anointing of the Holy Spirit within and his ministry in my life has been invaluable and beyond natural human words to describe the value of this precious ministry of the Spirit. It is through his ministry that the word of God on paper became alive, powerful in my heart, as he ministered it to me in my hour of need. By the anointing of the Spirit within, using the word of God and applying the word to my spirit and my soul and my mind, the word has comforted me, encouraged me, directed me, empowered me, corrected me, and commissioned me. All of this was possible, the Spirit taking the written word and applying it and making it life to me in a situation that I found myself in. And that's what the Spirit does. He will take a verse of Scripture, apply it to your heart or to your situation that you know that you know that you know this is God comforting you, this is God strengthening you, this is God directing you, leading you, and, and giving you the very, uh, the very word, the very life that you need at that particular moment. I mean, what value can you put on that? And every believer must experience that in his own walk with the Lord. Otherwise, Christianity is just a religion. It has no life in it. Without the fellowship, the intimacy, and the application of the Word of God to you personally by the power of the Holy Spirit. The written Word of God became alive in me, imparting wisdom, knowledge, direction, understanding, and strength when I need it the most. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 119, verse 105, that says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Praise God forevermore. Thank God for the ministry of the Spirit within our lives. Those two things for me personally, prayer and the ministry of the word ministered to me by the anointing within, has been the secret of my not giving up, not giving in, not turning back, but continuing on this journey of faith for 45 years. Not looking back. Thank God for His Spirit. Thank God for the Word. But also thank God 
for the anointing within that applies the word to our life and to our situation. And I thank God for his precious anointing, which the word of God says remains and abides within us all the days of our lives. Not just some days, but all the days of our lives. And Jesus spoke of him before his death, if you recall. And what we need to understand, that when Jesus went to the Father in heaven, he didn't just leave us a book behind to study and learn about him or about things of the kingdom. But he sent his spirit, the anointing of his spirit, to live and abide within us forever. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, verse 16 through to 18. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And then in verse 26 of the same chapter, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, listen to this, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. We have supernatural recall within us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. We have the most perfect and wonderful teacher within us. God has given us all that we will ever need to be successful in life, to be the person that God ordained us to be. And Jesus promised the disciples that he would not leave them as orphans or without help, but he will ask the Father to give them another helper in his place. The only difference would be that this new helper, the Spirit within, would not be beside them as Jesus was, but he will be in them. In other words, they would have something far better than when Jesus was with them. Now, the disciples, upon hearing that, they couldn't understand that at the time. How could we have something better than Jesus walking with us, teaching us, protecting us, providing for us, and guiding us? How can we have something better than that? They didn't understand it until after the Pentecost or the sending of the Spirit. For three and a half years, as you well know, the disciples walked by sight. That's the difference. They walked by sight as Jesus walked with them and beside them in the flesh. They could see him. They could feel him. They could touch him. And that was a walk of sight, not a walk of faith. They walked with him, they sat down with him, they ate with him and asked him person to person many times to teach and explain things to them. But after his resurrection, 
and the subsequent sending of the Holy Spirit, whom he promised he would send them in his place, the disciples then were asked to walk by faith, not by sight, in the one who would live in them and be with them, yet they could not see with the physical senses, they could not touch in the flesh, but learn how to recognize him in the spirit. I want you to get this. This is a new dispensation for us today. Jesus said that this is far better than what they had while he was with them. And some people wish, oh, I wish I was in the day when Jesus walked on the earth that I could see him, that I could touch him, that I could feel him, that I could ask him questions. And Jesus said, you're wrong. You've got something far better than what they had then. Are you listening to me? We need to have a revelation of this truth that Jesus is trying to communicate to us even today as I'm ministering to you. You have something far better than the disciples had. Remember, Paul never saw Jesus in the flesh, never walked with Jesus. Yet the revelations and the growth and the power that rested upon that man was phenomenal. When Jesus was in the flesh, he could only be in one place at a time. But in this new dispensation of the Spirit, he would be everywhere at the same time in every disciple in every generation. And Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said the following. Listen carefully now. I don't want you to miss this. 2 Corinthians 5.16 Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. To regard means to get acquainted with or to know. We don't know anyone anymore in the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Think about that. The word we just read says we must know the Lord Jesus no longer in the flesh. Some people say, well, I've had an encounter with the Lord and you share that testimony. They say, what did he look like? What did you see? Instead of asking, what did he say to you? We want to know what he looked like. Why? Because we, we still think in the flesh. He came in the flesh, but he's no longer in the flesh. Therefore, we need to get to know him in the spirit. Are you with me, folks? Getting to know the Lord Jesus in the Spirit is one of the most, if the most wonderful adventures of our Christian walk. To know him as he is. To know him in his nature. To know him in the Spirit. To understand his ways, his character, his nature. Not what he looks like. In fact, the Bible says you cannot look at him and live because he's brighter than the brightest sun 
shining at noonday. When Jesus saw, when, when the apostle John in the book of Revelation saw the Lord, he fell dead at his feet. He could not stand. Some are still trying to communicate with the Lord in the flesh. How? By looking in the natural realm. Or trying to hear something from the Lord with the physical ears. That's not how the Lord communicates with his people anymore. I mean, maybe a handful of people heard the audible voice of God. But that's not how he communicates. The Lord does not communicate with us in this physical realm or with physical means. He communicates with us in the realm of the Spirit. He lives within our spirit, communicates with us in the Spirit. That's why Jesus said those that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. And so Jesus said that this helper, this, this comforter, would help them do all things that he did and even greater things than Jesus did. I mean, it, it will blow our minds to receive these words. And God wants our minds to be renewed, to be open. The promise of the indwelling spirit is given to every born-again believer. It's a gift. That is, everyone who receives Jesus as his personal Savior and confesses him as Lord over their lives. The world can receive Jesus and be born again, but they cannot receive the Helper unless and until they receive Jesus as Lord first. Jesus called him the helper, the spirit of truth, and in another place he called him the comforter. John the apostle calls him the anointing within. The anointing is not a thing, but a person living and abiding within the born-again believer. Now, I, I, I don't know, maybe there are some of you who have not received the indwelling spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling. There are many phrases to describe this. But I want to take you through very quickly some of the elements that need to be there before we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And Peter gives us a clue when he preached his, his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, when he preached, the people were convicted, and they asked him, what must we do? And notice what Peter said to them. Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you, and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now here is the order of events in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and being baptized by Him. First of all, we must hear the gospel. When we hear the gospel, we are convicted. We repent. That's the first step. We repent. Then we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord. Then we are baptized in water, and then we receive 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, my personal testimony goes as this, and I understand not everyone has experienced what I've experienced. But on Thursday evening, on the 6th of August, 1976, I heard the gospel. I was terribly convicted. I repented that evening. I received Jesus as my Lord. And that was on Thursday evening, the 6th of August, 1976. I walked out of the auditorium where there was a church gathering and I knew that I knew that something happened on the inside of me. I didn't know the phrase then born again, but all I knew is that I was a new man. I felt so clean and so light within me. On Sunday evening, I was baptized in water. Then I drove on Monday morning all the way back to Fort Victoria, Masvingo now, in Zimbabwe, to be reunited with my wife, whom I left uh, and, and, and never had an intention of coming back because I was instructed or guided by the Spirit when I was born again to go back and be reconciled with my wife and meant our marriage. So I drove back all the way on Monday. I was out of a job. Before I left, someone gave me a book to read uh, by Smith Wigglesworth. In one of those chapters, I read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that belonged to every born-again believer. It is for us today. It is a gift from God, and we receive a gift by faith. When I read that chapter, I was inspired. I was on fire for God. I recall I went into my bedroom. I don't know why, because I was the only one in the house. My wife was out at work. I closed the door of my bedroom. I knelt down and I said, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I'm not getting off of my knees until you baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I remained silent for a few moments. I lifted up my hands to the Lord, closed my eyes, and I began to speak in a foreign tongue that I had never learned. I walked out of my bedroom that day and for the first time I saw the beauty of creation. And I questioned, where was, where was this beauty all the while that I never saw? And the only way that I could describe my experience was that the love of God just filled my heart and I could embrace the entire world and love them. And that was my initial experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I understand your experience might be different from mine, but all of these elements need to be present and experienced by the one being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, in closing, in studying the scriptures, there is only one place or one incident where people received the Spirit prior to being baptized in water. And that is in Acts chapter 10, where Peter goes to the house of Cornelius while he preaches the word of God. The Spirit falls upon them, and the believers that came that day to visit with them and preach to them heard them speak with other tongues and prophesy and magnify the Lord. That is the only one place that is recorded in the book of Acts. But... Afterwards, they received the Spirit, 
And then the Bible says, Peter told them, what forbids you from being baptized in water? So they were baptized in water that same day. And so I want to encourage you to really meditate on these valuable scriptures that I've given you today. Take time and, and engage the Holy Spirit. Engage a, a, a journey with the Lord. And ask him to teach you how to honor, how to recognize, and how to submit to the anointing within. To be led, to be guided, to be instructed, to be imparted with in every circumstance in life and in every situation you find yourself in. In good times and in bad times. And so I trust you've been ministered to, you've been helped through this teaching that I've given you today. Let me close with a word of prayer as we, as we commit what we've learned to the Lord, asking him by the Spirit to make them life and light to us. Father, we thank you for this wholesome and anointed teaching we have received today. Lord, teach us, all of us, every one of us, to learn how to be taught by the anointing within, how to recognize his valuable presence within us, how to honor him, how to walk with him, how to cooperate with him, how to flow with him in the spirit so that you may receive the glory, the power, and the honor both now and forevermore. Teach us, Lord, how to be successful in life by listening to the Spirit within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.